Hello and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. Hope everybody had a lovely week. It was our Sam's birthday. So happy birthday, Sam. 25, getting old. This week is another recommendation. I actually don't have to think them up anymore. People just keep asking us to do things, which is great. So this week I will be telling you the story of Robbie McIntosh. Have you, does this name ring a bell? Anything no. about it at all? Nothing. Um, okay. Maybe later on, but nope, nothing. Cool. Well, we're going all the way back to 2001 <laughs> to start this case. I and thought you were going to say like the 1800s. Like. No, that's what you do. I try and stick <laughs> in modern times. You go back to like medieval times. <laughs> so it was the 2nd of August 2001 and 34 year old civil servant Anne Nicholl, who lived in Byron Street in Dundee, with her partner of four years, Gordon, when was taking her dog out for a walk. Now, her dog's called Sophie. I think there is actually what type of dog it is. And I'm sorry if you're a big dog fan and I've not told you. I, I wasn't too sure. Now, at this time, Dundee has a population of about 150,000. And it's still kind of, like people described it back then, it's still like quite a tight-knit kind of, almost village kind of community instead of a city. Whereas now Dundee is a huge big city, do you know it's a really popular place to go, especially for the university. Dundee Law is where she took the dog to walk. I don't know if you know where Dundee Law is. Do you know much about Dundee? No, nothing. Okay. Apart from Vino and the A and that big thing. Right, very good. Um, so Dundee <laughs> Law is basically a massive hill in the city centre of Dundee. And it was formed over 400 million years ago. And it's got a war memorial on the summit. But it's actually a really popular place to go. I think you can actually drive up to it. But people go for walks because there's lovely woods. It's got a viewpoint of the whole entire city where Dundee's actually got quite a lovely skyline because it's got the water and everything as well. People go up for picnics, but like it's a very common place for people to walk their dogs as well. So Anne was taking her dog a walk roughly 6.30pm. I have read a couple of sources on this and some said it was morning, but the most common one I've got is 6.30pm. And I think that then makes sense to the story. And this walk that she takes her dog on takes 45 minutes. So she should have been home by 7.15. So I think she leaves her house, goes up the law and back down. So it's not too big of a walk, do you know? And if she does the same walk every single day, then, do you know? It is like, do you know, if my, my mum took the dog out, I'd be like, oh, mum's going to be home at this time because she's she only takes the dog here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I actually mapped it as well and Byron Street where she lived and the top of like Dundee Law was an 11 minute walk. Oh so, wow. Yeah so do you know if you take that time while we walk around it it isn't that far away. By about 7.25 Anne's not home so Gordon her partner goes to find her and he walks her usual route so the fact he knows the route obviously shows that how often she takes us and how similar this is and on the way up he finds her dog Sophie in distress and like obviously like heading back down the kind of path almost so he finds Sophie and then 100 yards from the path he finds Anne lying on the ground now Anne had been attacked pretty brutally to be honest and she was stabbed 29 times to her head neck and body her face had also been stamped on 
the different thing about this which really stuck out to me is one of the first strikes, if not the first strike, actually severed her vocal cords. So Anne wasn't able to scream or call for help. Oh my word. Yeah, which I've never heard of before. No. So Gordon tried CPR, however, he wasn't getting anywhere. So he called 999 as it was kind of too late to save her. And she was declared dead at the scene. Now, Dundee obviously went into a bit of shock about this because you don't really hear of many murders, especially about them happening in Dundee. And especially what was different about this is it was broad daylight. It's August at like 6pm at night. It's very bright outside and it was a nice evening. So up the law was lots of other dog walkers. There was a big group of teenagers that were kind of watching the police, like almost as if it was like a TV show. But that happens everywhere. It doesn't say they're suspicious. It's, you know, anytime you see police, there's people looking all the time, do you know? Oh, yeah. There was was no initial signs. There was nobody they thought wanted to hurt Anne. There was nobody that at the scene stood out. Um, So they began making appeals to dog walkers and started speaking to some of the teenagers, for example. And someone said that a young man in a bright blue tracksuit was seen and he was making people feel uneasy. Um, he was following people around on the law and he actually like followed a young woman, uh, not a young woman, sorry, an old woman, who was walking her dog. And when she like turned around, he was right there. So she like got a bit of a fright. But instead of, like, you know, if you bump into somebody, you're both like, oh, sorry, he just stared her down. So he mm. was just... But, like, doesn't mean you're a killer, it just means you're a creep. Um, he also followed yeah. a group of teenagers and actually made them feel uncomfy to the stage that they were, like, preparing to call the police if he, like, got any closer. Which, do you know, a big group of teenagers are the, normally, stereotypically, the people that make you feel uneasy. So the fact they felt uneasy <laughs> yeah. by one person. So a witness said that this was a teenage boy and he had an eyebrow piercing and blonde, kind of strawberry blonde hair. And one of the teenagers that was actually watching the police actually met this description. And he was identified as Robbie McIntosh. Now, at the time, I will just clarify up, his name wasn't out because he was 15 years old. So we know his name now, but back then, like, his name wasn't out. You know, unlike Luke Mitchell. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he was known kind of, like, as a bit of a troublemaker. Like, do you know... Like, one of those people where he was quite... Like, him and his friends would sit around and take drugs. Like, they'd cause trouble in the local town. Like, they'd annoy the locals. And he was a bit of a troubled youth. Um, He was expelled from high school and went to, like, one of those, like... like, When your parents would say, like, the bad boys school or, like, the bad girls school. We went to, like, one of those kind of schools. Do you know what I mean? I can't remember the right word for that. I would quickly mention that his mum was actually a social worker. And had a pretty respectable job, but that doesn't influence anything. Like, it's not, you know, like, people are like, oh, they did come from a good home, but that doesn't really matter. Like, you hear about criminals that have had the best background in the world, and it doesn't mean that anyone that's had a bad bad background is more likely to be a criminal, do you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. But he had no plans to tell the police he was there. Do you know, they were asking for people that were there at the time, etc. And he never voluntarily came forward to say, oh, I was there actually with my friends. He just kept kind of quiet about that. Um, When they did actually speak to him, he would like change kind of stories almost. So like when they said like, oh, he was like, oh, 
there was like a dodgy looking guy around who's like known as like a local drug user like he looked a bit weird and the police were like okay would start like thinking looking at this person and it turned out not to be true and he also said he saw Anne as he was leaving she was stood talking to a fellow dog walker at like the back of seven as he was leaving the law which obviously this can't have been true because she was killed up at the top or in the woodland kind of bit um when he was um actually there at the murder site he said people said he looked quite flushed and quite like red and you know but and when teens like in the group confirmed his outfit was that blue tracksuit however when he was up the law he wasn't wearing that blue tracksuit so he changed outfit um while he was up a hill yeah 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 okay well yeah well he's appeared up this hill so the police start going around and kind of speaking to like out of the law and actually speaking to like the local community kind of thing you know like going to like local places and this is when we get to basically why Robbie McIntosh is a big part he went to the local chippy well the police did and basically asked if they'd seen or heard anything and what the chippy I don't know if I'm going to be honest I don't know if the chippy contacted the police or the police just went to the chippy but they basically said the woman who was working there had said that Robin May McIntosh had came in and told them that a woman had been stabbed and killed on the law and when the police asked roughly what time and everything that was they were like oh check CCTV and it was about 7.55 and they remembered that because EastEnders was on Anne's body was found by her partner just after half past seven the police Anne's partner and the killer were the only people that could have physically known then Right. that Anne was dead because there was no announcement made to the public until way after that time so you had to himself a hole. yeah he actually got you know or definitely got taken in and cautioned and spoke to so mm-hmm. his basically events is that he went to on the 4th of August he'd actually told his friends his name was Kenneth Brown that he'd actually went and watched the woman's boyfriend looking for her and had just been up the law for no reason whatsoever he was questioned by the police twice and he said that he was alone up the lloyd went up about 5 p.m he said he saw some friends but he only named certain people and then like had other friends names that were going to come out later and on the way down he said again that's when they confirmed he saw someone talking to the deceased and nothing else like that was it he just said yep it's mm-hmm. fine and then on his way further down he said he'd saw the boyfriend like coming to look for her so that was him confirming he left the law so he was kind of sent home but then they decided to interview him again as they'd actually gone to his house and found a ripped kind of bloody t-shirt that he'd said he'd actually had a fight with his friends and he'd forgot to mention that on the 5th of August is okay. when he's interviewed again, sorry, yeah. And more details come out for that evening and they obviously, like, they bring up the whole chippy thing because they're like, right, okay, why did you tell these staff that, they were, like, how could you know? And he was like, oh, there was already rumours, like, going around. He's like, I heard it through rumours. Later, that obviously he's released again and later that day he's in detention at Rossi High School and he had a care worker in detention with him. And he said that he, the, 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 sorry, the care worker is actually called Dave Dixon, just to get names in there. He also said he wouldn't go down for a crime he did not commit. When Dave's obviously like, what are you talking about? 
he basically said that his friend Robert Suter, who he failed to mention when his friend asked, uh, when the police asked who he was up the law with, and him were up the law, like smoking weed, and Anne found them. She said something which he didn't hear, and the next minute, like his friend, like Robert Suter, is stabbing her. Oh. And they were like, right, okay, so she's just stabbing her all of a sudden. So he's like, right, A, why have you never mentioned this guy was here in the first place? And B, like, why haven't you said anything, kind of thing. But obviously, they're like, okay, we'll take it seriously. And they go to Suter's house, and the only thing they can find that has any blood on them is a pair of socks. But when they check that, it's like a tiny amount of blood, and there's like one in like tens of thousand chances it's Anne's. So there's not really much you can do with that. That's not going to hold up in any kind of court. They searched Robbie McIntosh. They searched (laughs) his house again. And that cap that he was wearing had um, blood on it. Um, So they checked that and it was like a one in 100 chance or something that the blood was going to be Anne's. So he was charged with murder on the 4th of August that year. So... That's actually quite quick if it happened on the second. That's very, very quick. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, this case went to trial. He was trialled as an adult, even though he was 15 and his name was hidden. Um, and he was found guilty. He was sentenced to life um, with a minimum of 15 years, which meant he could apply for parole at 31. He was very typical at court. Do you know what I mean? He was one of those where he would kind of laugh at things, he was just like faffing about, like smiling at his pals, etc, etc and he went off to Castle Huntley Prison, which is in Aberdeen which I was like, oh what a far place to send him but obviously that's not too far Yeah, he's just kind of next door (laughs) Yeah, exactly, so um, yeah, so we sent him to prison to apply for Pro 31, as you can imagine Anne's um, boyfriend was like shouting at things, being like, oh, wait till you get out and stuff like that, as typical. Um, but yeah, that is basically the story of Robbie murdering Anne Nicholl. However, Robbie does get out for parole. He gets out for parole in 2016, in the August, and they'd actually allow, allow him like home leave to get him prepared to kind of go back out to the real world. And he's 32 years old then, so, you know, he spent more of his life in prison than he did actually out of it. Mm-hmm. As he went in there as like a 15-year-old boy. Um, he'd done apparently nothing concerning in prison, which is why he was released for pro- like, well, home visits, kind of parole. Um, and when he was out, he was helping like with disadvantaged children. He was doing some work placements, you know, and this was, what, just over 14 years in a sentence. So if you actually count time served before he was sentenced in court, like you know, when they arrest you and etc., he was actually up for getting out. Um, and his parole hearing was in a matter of days, to be honest. So that's why they'd started giving him like home leave and getting him back into the community. He had showed absolutely no warning signs whatsoever. He was doing like great, to be honest. Which the prison rehabilitation services as well—they are fantastic, and you do hear of people that commit these absolutely horrendous crimes and then they get out so obviously you can't keep them in there forever if you think they could go back into society which is why he did now he stayed near Dundee in a place called Bridgefoot and he'd been out for five days on home leave and his parole was actually in three days when Robbie decided to pack a bag and in this bag he packed a dumbbell 
and headed to Templeton Woods. Now, do you know Templeton Woods at all? Any information about that? Or do you... (laughs) Don't even know where it is. (laughs) Um, So Templeton Woods, there was another murder that happened in um, Templeton Woods that we could actually cover one day. But Templeton Woods is basically... It's Templeton Woods Loop, is what it's called, and it's a 2.3 mile kind of lightly trafficked loop trail located near Dundee that offers a chance to see like wildlife and it's used for like walking, running. It actually looks, if you look at pictures of it, it's actually a really nice wee woodland walk, to be honest. Um, but yeah, there was a murder there a few years back, just a bit of like kind of, I'll just kind of show you that. So basically, it was a woman. For I think it was like 40 years ago um, I think her name was Carol Lannan and her body was found there in 1979 but obviously this story's got nothing to do with that but just you might recognise that place from that case um, which as we said we're happy to cover if people want to hear that. So anyway, I go to Templeton Woods at Templeton Woods at that moment in time walking there is a woman named Linda MacDonald. Now Linda MacDonald's a 52 year old grandmother and she was walking her Jack Russell Terrier Betsy. So yet again this is like a really common place to walk dogs. Again like instead of going up the wall like it's just a very basic walking place. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah so I think the date of this, as I'd said, it's thousand. It's the August again, twenty sixteen. I actually don't. I think it was roughly the sixth of August. I want to say, like again, which is like almost an exact like same date. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was the sixth or seventh of August. So basically, Linda's out walking her dog, and she had said that this is a very common place to walk her dog and she passed those other dog walkers she's kind of known to other dog walkers there um however as she was on her walk she realized that she was being followed she'd said that there was a man that was just kind of loitering around and she never really thought anything of it she did think like all right okay and basically she said there was a nanosecond of silence when his footsteps just stopped and she just like knew like something bad's about to happen you just get that horrible gut feeling yeah of like oh no like something really bad's gonna happen to me here she turned around and he was actually running towards her and like she didn't have a, a second to react when all of a sudden he just like struck her on the right side of her head obviously we now know this is with a dumbbell whereas at the time she didn't really know um as you can imagine she was pretty stunned immediately and she very good on her like knew like her basically fight for survival like kicked in and she'd kind of try to plead with him as you do when she's obviously saying to him like please don't do this but he wasn't up for listening to that at all she described him as actually looking expressionless but also like he was enjoying her having to like beg for her life almost but as I'd said earlier her fight for survival had kicked in so she actually starts to scream and like call for help and just make noise, which okay. is actually really good because obviously going back to like Anne Nicole, that's something she wasn't able to do. So mm-hmm. the fact that she's able to just scream the place down was quite good. Um, so he, as you said, kept striking her, and she could feel like the blood running on her, and actually because the way it went went her eyes, so she actually couldn't see. So she thought she was actually like going blind. He also then oh, grabbed her no. ankles. And as she was like lying on the ground and dragged her off the path 
She recalls like kind of almost waking up and she realises she must have passed out because she was on her stomach and being dragged really quickly like further into the woods. The clothes on the top half of her body were off and she honestly thought she was going to be sexually assaulted. However, luckily she wasn't. And when he was actually bleeding over her at one point, she decided to just like stop breathing and try and like play dead. So he kind of just leave her and think like he'd already done that. And she'd actually just like kind of, you know, when before you die, like they say people just kind of go calm and she tried to. And she was just like, you know, however, she did continuously fight, which was brilliant. And all of a sudden, two men were really panically and leaving over her and the attacker had gone. So these two men were just dog walkers, Charles and Peter Connor, and they actually just like came across it, scared him off and actually helped her, like saved her life basically. So like, oh they called the police and oh. all of a sudden like dozens of police like rushed to this scene and there was an immediate like manhunt and it was a huge manhunt to find out like how this had happened. And they made an arrest shortly that same day in the village of Bridgefoot, north of Dundee, and the suspect was Robbie McIntosh. So he was out on, like, five days of being out. He attacked somebody again in the exact same way. So he wasn't very reformed. No, exactly. So obviously this goes to court very quickly, and he pled guilty and actually got a life sentence. There is another minimum sentence. However, they've said it's very unlikely he will ever be paroled. Um, as you can tell, I kind of gave some like, she said, she said, so very luckily Linda McDonald survived. She had multiple skull fractures and various injuries and they said it's life changing injuries. But there's actually a program on Amazon Prime called Murder Time. I don't know if you've seen that, Sam. No, but it's Kelly like McDonald, who was in Coronation Street, <laughs> goes to like. Oh, yes, I have seen that. Like so, advertised. Yeah, so Sorry. season two's just came out, but season one they actually do an episode on Dundee and this case is mentioned in it. And she actually speaks really openly about it and she actually gives her version of it and she's on this programme and she's brilliant, like really good on her for everything she did and she'd said that, but actually at the court the Justice Secretary apologised to her for allowing him kind of back into society and when we like when this all kind of went to trial well he pled guilty so only a trial people from Bridgeford were actually saying from the minute he was released he was just acting weird like at night they'd like just find him like standing outside their house oh really just like being dodgy but when they went to like their local counsellors or they went to like you know the actual prison board like here what's this and they were like oh he's just trying to get back into society yeah and I was like okay so yeah so as you can imagine that wasn't great now one of the reasons why we've done I've done this case is it was yeah as I said it was recommended but that's because it's actually came back into the papers in the last few days I don't know if you've seen that oh no so just before we filmed this it was a couple of days that's where someone actually saw it the person that recommended it and basically they were saying that Anne Nichols well like Robbie Macintosh's mum was like someone tried to deliver a warning prior him cu- killing Anne Nichols. So what happened is a resident living in that time um, like wrote a letter to Robbie Macintosh's mum just five months before he murdered Anne Nichols. The unsigned letter was written in block capitals and was postmarked March 19th, 2001. And it said, 
someone is going to end up getting something done to them and it won't be pleasant. However, Ooh. it so was, was actually lobby? posted through the neighbour's letterbox in error and not oh. passed on to his mum. But like, if I got a letter like that and like, I don't know how that you've tra- tracked that it was meant for her. But anyway, yeah, that was meant to be posted five months prior to that. So this is all just came out this week. I don't know why that came into the papers. I don't know if they've eventually, maybe the person sitting watching Murder Time been like, oh, remember we got that letter through the door 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't that. Anyway, but yeah. Get to the news. <laughs> yeah, but one of the main things that I kind of want to discuss, and I might do a poll on our Instagram account, if you don't follow it, you should, it's the crime pod underscore, is do you think people, like he should have been paroled? Because oh. her sister, Annika's sister, has came forward and basically said, like, told you so, to, like, the judge and everything, all the people that paroled him, and basically said, like, I told you this would happen, I told you she would paroled, I told you it was dangerous, blah, 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 blah. And I feel like it's a very tricky situation because everyone says, like, he should never have been paroled, he was evil, blah, blah. But I feel like if his behaviours were right in prison and he had showed he'd reformed and you know he was a 15 year old boy he went out as a 32 year old man yeah I, I don't think they would have let him out if he was like can't wait to go out and kill somebody do you know so he yeah i have... think he must have played it very well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well it's the same as the jamie boulder case they oh, both went out with different identities and one of them has never been heard of again. He's just living life as a new person. However, the other one's back in prison for child pornography, I'm sure. Yeah, he's in and out there like a yo-yo. He gets new so identities, that, like I think, new things. Yeah, but I think that's actually a perfect example of like the pros and cons of parole because mm-hmm. one of them has actually went on and lived his life because that would have been three lives destroyed in that one situation, whereas... The other person's shown that he should never be allowed, but you never know that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's a lot of things where people are saying, you know, and even the justice secretary apologising to her. Like, I get that, but they would never have released him if they thought he was capable of doing this. So I think that's like a that's true, but then I've always sometimes when you look at the system, mm-hmm. there's not so much thought that goes into it. So, like, you know what we need the space or he's fine get him out of jail put him back in you know I think there's always that oh did you really look into this mm-hmm. as much as you could have done mm-hmm. but they don't have the resources and time etc but it's like oh, mm-hmm. I just don't know I don't know <laughs> yeah so I might do a wee put on it would actually be really interesting to kind of See yeah, people's thoughts. Others. Yeah, because I honestly am not too sure at all. Like, do you know, on this. So yeah, if you've got any thoughts, let us know. And if you'd like us to do the other Dundee murder, just a Dundee series now. Yeah. Just let us know as always at our Instagram. <laughs>